Good morning, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast. That is Wednesday, the day after Halloween, the day after the NFL trade deadline. There was some movement. There was some movement with players that the Atlanta Falcons seemed to be interested in. At least the Falcons fans were definitely interested in. But it doesn't seem like they uh, the the brass thought that the asking price, or at least the selling price, compared to other teams, was worth it. So we'll get into that. First off, I want to ask my co-host here. I'm Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here, he's Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle. So we're we're coast to coast with your uh, your football coverage. But Nick, how was your Halloween? How are you doing, my friend? It was good. Uh, got done live streaming, ran upstairs, uh, handed out candy for two hours, and then made dinner to my pregnant wife who was uh, still kind of getting over travel. So uh, pretty busy, um, I guess, overall. I was on my feet most of the time. Uh, but pretty, pretty good. And we got another uh, baby appointment today. As soon as the show is over, got to get hop in the shower and then get on the road. So uh, busy, 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 but uh, that's probably my life for the next 20 years. Yeah, we're going to get out of here about 9.45 a.m. or so. So we'll go about 40 minutes. And if the chat's popping and the super chats are rolling, I'll kick him out and we'll keep going. So it'll it'll be up to you a little bit. I guess um, as the chat is opening up and finding our, our lost Falcons fans and bringing them in, we'll, we'll, we'll start talking some of the current events because we get a lot of our views after the fact. So we'll get right into it on that. We had almost 1,700 views on YouTube on our last show, uh, which is probably like 10x watches after the fact as compared to live. So if you do that, leave us a comment, hit that like button, hit that subscribe to the channel button. It really helps us out and make sure you know when we've got a new uh, new show going. But we go Monday at 9 and Wednesday at 9 for the Falcons and then Friday for uh, usually NFL draft talk, some overall news. Overall news is what I want to talk about right now. I guess the big news last night was Josh McDaniels. McDaniels getting uh getting the axe in in from the the Raiders and along with Dave Ziegler the uh the general manager my goodness Nick how could we have ever seen this coming that Josh McDaniels was going to be a total and utter failure as a head coach I mean third time's the charm right uh yeah I, I guess we'll consider that Indianapolis to stop a uh, failure as well I mean that should have been it right after like I, I'll take the job we're all going oh actually never mind that should have been red flag for everybody I think he's an okay offensive coordinator, schemer, or whatnot. Although we'll see what his life is like, because he'll get another offensive coordinator job. Um, but we'll see what it's like after working with Brady. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's gone. I'm I'm a little surprised about the timing. I mean, it came out at 10 p.m. my time yesterday, so 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's that's pretty wild to see. I thought maybe they let would let him ride out the season. I mean, the Raiders aren't going anywhere. This isn't going to rejuvenate this team. It's not going to be. What Scarnecchia or whoever they had that came in that kind of Scarpaccio? I don't remember his name. This very Italian name. Now he's the yeah, special teams yeah, coach. The, for the special Packers. teams coach who did a great job. Yeah, honestly. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with the Raiders. They are seemingly like they're heading towards the uh, the soft tank here. I, I've heard that they're planning on starting. There's rumors out there uh, that they're planning on starting Aiden McConnell the rest of the or Aiden O'Connell the rest of the season as well. Uh, fifth round quarterback from Purdue who had a really good preseason, uh, but still fifth round quarterback with preseason tape. Uh, so we'll see what happens here with the Raiders going forward. But man, they uh, Broncos have been bad, but the level of dysfunction we've seen from the Raiders for 20 years yeah. has been unbelievable. It's why I said this this feels like the Atlanta Falcons that, that we grew up with here in the 80s. They were just they were not a serious franchise, they weren't a serious franchise under the Smiths. They had intermittent success here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a Barkowski year in 1980. You've got the the gimmickry of Jerry Glanville go to the playoffs once. Um, then you hit, you hit Dan Reeves, which was there was a a good period in there. Then it fell off. And even Michael Vick, it felt like that the Falcons were still just playing. We've got the best player. We're, we weren't really playing football. We were playing street ball, but we just happen to have the best player in the NFL. Um, it, it until blank took over the team and this was not a serious franchise. And that's what the Raiders have been going through for years and years now. They're, they're not a serious franchise. They're just dis- dysfunctional. As you said, um, we know it. We recognize it. want to say hello to some folks that have come in nice and early, including John Harrell. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick and the Falcons family. We could have gotten chase young for a third round pick. And, uh, John's putting his money where his mouth is. He comes in with a, a a tremendous super chat coming with twenty dollars. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Says keep the heater on. Yeah, thirty-two degrees down here in the uh, in the south for November first. 
I was checking through some of my uh, some of my Instagram stuff. We had one, uh, I think it was in the teens in November last year, or maybe the year before, but last year it was in the like low teens, like 11 or 12 degrees. I'm like, it doesn't get that cold in January here. So hopefully it's supposed to warm up again, but it is definitely chilly out there. And John, thank you for the, the help. Thank you for supporting the show. That helps everything that we do, helps keeps the lights on, helps keeps my forehead nice and shiny. So thank you, sir. We certainly appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate that, keeping this uh, Falcons coverage going. Um, not much more to say other than, man, we really, really, really do appreciate it. But, yeah, let's get into a little bit with these uh, the Falcons trades, too, after we say hello to Michael. Good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good morning to you, Michael. Hope things are a little, probably a little warmer out there in Tucson. Uh, so, appreciate you. Yeah, Michael, good morning. Hope you are doing well. Uh, appreciate you getting up and spending the time with us on this uh, Wednesday morning. I've been a day behind. I even... Last night as I was going to bed, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to get new Broncos for breakfast. I just, I guess I forgot we did that yesterday. I'm like, no, it's Falcons Wednesday, Scott. It is Wednesday, not not Tuesday. Well, yay, that's good. You did that last um, night, too. I was like, we probably need to cut it like 10 minutes short. It's like your show. I'm like, no, it's, no, Falcons it's not. Show. It's Wednesday. I know. It's, I, it, it, it's been like that all night. Even then I did it later. I was still doing it. Anyway, it is Wednesday. It is Falcons Wednesday, Falcons podcast. And yeah, um, doesn't surprise me that they didn't elevate to a first round for Montez Sweat. The Chicago Bears second round could be 15 to 20 picks better than the Atlanta Falcons second round. could be five or six, uh, depending on how the season goes. But it could be a significant difference in a second round pick. I'm not sure I wanted the Falcons to go to a first round pick. I'm not sure I didn't want them to, though, as a thing. And that's what it would have taken, Nick. It would have taken the first rounder to get Montez Sweat. Yeah, or the combination of picks. Right. Multiple. Or, yeah, let's send him yeah. a third and a fifth. See if that would have been, I mean, a second and a fifth and yeah. see if that would have been enough. Yeah, it's uh, the thing with both those guys is you trade for them and then you have to probably pay them pretty quickly on a turnaround here. You're probably not getting, in this draft class specifically, based on prospects. Again, it's an inexact science and guys, Max Crosby was a late third round pick and ends up, you know, top five edge rusher. But as prospects, I don't know if there's anybody who I would say, is a slam dunk caliber of either of those Washington edge rushers. One of them might be in good man. If you can find that guy out of the, the group, then you're good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, expensive for both those guys. And uh, kind of interesting to see the discussion surrounding Chase Young after the trade. Uh, but I, I think it was an okay trade for Chicago. It's uh, trading a second round pick. They got a lot of uh, draft picks coming up here uh, as well. And they only had, what, 10 sacks so far on the season? They, they needed talent. And they got a, over $100 million in free agency money next year under the salary cap. So I think you make a move like that with the extension already wink-wink in place with the player's agent. Or else they don't they – don't, and that might be one of the factors that came in. The Falcons will have money. They could have done it and, and done an extension. I don't think you would make that trade without an extension already in place. We saw that happen last year with the Miami Dolphins sending a first for Bradley Chubb, who was going to be a free agent, but then they turn around and sign him to an extended contract like later that week um, or, you know, the next week, but it was pretty quick. So I, I would expect the bears Montez sweat to be in Chicago next year. That that's part of uh part of the trade. Part of the trade they made for sure is, is how I see it. Um, and do you me, Montez uh, sweat played bounce. Hold on one second. Let me bounce one of the spammers coming in here real quick. Go find your own stuff to do. Quit spamming my fans. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, okay, you were asking about Sweat. Montez Sweat just uh, kind of walked down memory lane. Do you remember where he played college? Uh, he was a wrecking ball edge rusher, ended up first-round pick, but uh, on that Mississippi State team that also had Jeffrey Simmons on their defensive line. Um, man, that was a heck of a team. Um, a, lot, a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of hours watching that iteration of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So uh, kind of fun. Yeah, to watch I've, I've said it. the hardest thing to find is qualified defensive tackles in the South. I, I'd go to Mississippi Junior College football and it looked like NFL guys out there. Just the lines. And you just they, they had trouble getting them into school. Academics. Um, which is ridiculous. They shouldn't exactly. have to go to college in order to be NFL prospects. And hopefully that is getting worked out now with different leagues and stuff. There's other avenues in here. Uh, an unholy coalition is starting to break up a little bit between the NFL and the NCAA because, you know, again, if it was any most other sports, you wouldn't have to go to college for three years. You would 
go do something else. Go play in the minor leagues. You know, do do something else to advance your vocation. On that note, um, I want to say hello to some folks, and we'll get into Chase Young on this too. Philip Hogginson is coming in as well. Good morning, Philip. Hope you're doing well. And Rusty's coming in on Facebook on uh, on our Facebook channel, Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons. Arthur is giving off weasel tendencies. Used a fake injury last year to bench Marcus. I'm doing the same with Ritter this year. Uh, head coach who can't take accountability is a bad thing. The QB you said was ready. Sucks. Now own it. Um, Marriott actually hid his knee injury. He immediately, when he got benched, went and got surgery, and that was a surprise to the Atlanta Falcons, and they were a little pissed about that. Um, so I won't say he would hide that one. This one, however... I don't know. My my gut tells me, Nick, when we start talking about is it going to be Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter, that it will be Taylor Heineke because if you're still talking about injury after he was cleared to go back into the game and like, oh, we'll keep evaluating the injury, we'll keep evaluating the injury, you've already made it up. And as Rusty says, you're you're kind of trying to give a soft landing for the guy you're about to to bench. That said. He's stubborn enough to say Des is healthy and he's our guy. We're going to continue to grow with Des. So I'm 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 not I'm not sure where I land on this one. It should be Taylor Heineke, Nick. Yeah, I mean, just based on the data we have from this last game, now the sample size is so small. I feel like I always got to add that caveat. But uh, Ritter really struggled. Uh, EPA negative 0.51 per play with Heineke 0.27. Uh, the QBR was much better as well. I mean, just. Ritter was better with the completion percentage, but you can't just constantly check it down. You need to hunt. You need to throw guys open. You need to take some shots with your weaponry. And uh, that's something that Ritter has struggled with to a point. The one thing that I think was the final straw for me um, in this kind of like, we can't just keep having it. It's the fumbles in the pocket. I mean, you've got to be protecting the damn football in the pocket. Uh, so the, he was benched soon after that fumble as well with the concussion. I don't know if there's any correlation there. Uh, again, I, I hope he's healthy and everything, but mm -hmm. it does seem like it is setting up for a, oh, we're not totally prepared to put him in that situation yet. So we're going to go with Heineke another week. So like you said, a soft landing or a soft out, uh, if you will. There, Nando has a comment in here. I'm going to jump down to this one because I want to roll into, uh, into this one. <clears throat> and now I can't find it. Uh, but Nando was talking about, uh, maybe it wasn't Nando. Uh, this was it. It was it was Scott and Nick. Can you take Arthur Smith serious? Because I don't see a plan. We look dysfunctional, and as a lost franchise, I see. I, I disagree with the plan uh, part of it. I have plans a trigger word for me from a previous life. Apologies. So I always want to say, "What's your plan?" Um, like in a Joker voice from Batman, first Batman movie. What's your plan? Um, anyway, I digress. I do feel like this team has a plan. It's got an identity. Run the ball. Play good defense. Uh, draft skill players and then run the ball and throw it with other players and stuff. But the, the identity is we want to be a hard-nosed, smash-mouth, run it at you, stop the run football team. That's the plan. That's the identity. Now, where this has gone off the rails, is, oh, and best player will play. That's the other part of the plan, the identity, the culture, competition. If you don't play Taylor Heineke, you lose credibility on that part of the plan, on that part of the culture, Nick. I mean, if you play Desmond Ritter, I want the guys, the best guys that are giving me the best chance to win. Right now, is there anybody in that locker room, is there anybody in the state of Atlanta that thinks that the best chance to win this game, this game against the Minnesota Vikings and move to five and four, Stay in first place in the NFC South is to start Taylor Heineke over Desmond Ritter. We can talk about next year. We can talk about moving forward. But the best chance right now, this week, is there anybody that thinks Desmond Ritter is the guy that gives you the best chance? I think it's probably similar to negligible difference. And the big reason why I say that is that Taylor Heineke for Washington was also a turnover, very turnover prone. Now, granted, it was more so hunting, so like arm punts, if you will, on some of those ones versus the strip sacks, which are much worse typically in the field position side of things. And at least with the the aggression down the field, you're giving your guys a chance. Where if it's the fumbles in the pocket, you know, good luck. The offensive linemen don't have, nobody has their head on eyes on the ball besides the guy who just got stripped and all the defensive players. Right, uh, but else has their back to the back yeah. to the ball. 
yeah, so it's, I think that the turnovers would be typically in a game like this, especially with Josh Dobbs coming to the Vikings, probably his first game there. Maybe, I guess we'll see what happens. They just traded for him. It'd be pretty hard to implement a game plan for him to play. I mean, he lands probably yes last night slash this morning and then you're playing sunday so yeah, it seems like jaron hall might would start yeah this game. you would think and that's i mean liked him as a you know shot uh fifth round pick kind of guy although he's a 25 year old rookie at byu with just an okay arm so can you protect the ball who can execute and just you know not lose the game you don't have to go out there and win the game if emphatically but not lose the game on the surface you'd think ritter but because again heineke's uh, turnover data in his career but I don't know. They're just these fumbling the ball so much and kind of gets a little bit, you know, during the headlights sometimes in the pocket. So uh, that is, it'll be interesting, but I do think it'll be Heineke in this one just to see if you have anything there. Uh, Jordan Brown says, good morning. Good morning, guys. Happy day after Halloween. Let's pray. We have a solid showing from our guys moving forward. Joe Cannon says, great morning, Scott and Nick. Quiet day for the Falcons yesterday. I want to put a cap on this because I, I know we want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, but I do want to talk about Chase Young. A lot of the talk yesterday was the Falcons could have had Chase Young for a third. That was about where I said he would go based on the production. You know, when we talk, Nick, you and I discuss, and we have agreements, disagreements on scheme fit, you know, what, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I've always fallen on the, I don't really care about scheme fit and production stats don't matter. That's for draft. That's for guys coming out of college. When I'm going for veterans, by God, I'm looking at scheme, I'm looking at production, and I'm looking at past history. Because that matters. What Jaron Hall did at BYU against Houston doesn't matter. I'm not looking at that game, oh, he threw for 500 yards against Houston. Falcons, look out if they start Jaron Hall. I don't care. I don't care. I do care what Chase Young did at Washington for four seasons. That matters to me. Yeah. They backed off on a third because their third would have been better than San Francisco's third. I you think they could have had Chase Young for a third round pick and then turn and then said no. Yeah, probably probably not. Uh, we disagreed on the talent evaluation of Chase Young. I went back and watched a few games and I thought no, no, I don't. saw Mine's total production. My, yeah, mine's yeah, yeah. about his production. I I thought his production was pretty good this year though. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I mean he was eighth in the NFL on pressure so far this season. With uh, eight, he already has six sacks. Uh, his like pass rush win rate, I think, is in the top five of edge rushers in the NFL so far this season. Uh, and that all to me said, with a guy who's looking healthy, uh, an ascending talent that you maybe take a shot and look a little bit more like that guy his rookie season, where it's like, okay, yep, that's what a elite edge rusher looks like. Uh, he's he had the ACL. This is it. He's healthy now. Yes, he's healthy again. He suffered the ACL two years ago. Last season was kind of a slow rebound year. Now we're back. Uh, and then you see the third round trade. Okay. My first thought is teams must have better information. or must be pretty weary about that injury. I mean, guys suffer injuries all the time, but I get it. Uh, you know, with the contract and everything, unless there's something else going on there. And then you have Mike Silver come in a uh, long time sports illustrated NFL insider. Uh, and also very close to the uh, commanders, uh, pretty darn close to Ron Rivera, I guess, apparently, but he's tweeting out uh, stuff about young and, Work ethic concerns slash discipline concerns. Uh, he tweets out, Young, according to several commanders, coaches, and other organizational sources, was viewed as an undisciplined player who would develop bad habits. Uh, he would deviate from assignments in an effort to make splash plays for his own stats. Okay. Shiver push down the line. You blow right by your guy every time. Leave everybody hang out to dry, mainly me. Yeah. Yeah. Flash of the, or remember the Titans. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so. I'm going to get mine. You can't have that on defense. Defense is an intricate puzzle, uh, especially with the run fits and everything where it's like Bill Belichick, right? Every The sum is better than the individual pieces, mm -hmm. and you can't have anybody playing above the assignment that you have. You need to play within your role. Do your job, as, uh, as many coaches have said. And uh, that, to me, major red flag, uh, especially you know with somebody like Ron Rivera, the military background, uh, the defensive side, if, and by all accounts, a great guy as well uh if you're getting bad vibes from ron rivera across the league then maybe there's some concerns there so i that's the first i had heard of that but when i saw the compensation i was like okay maybe there's something else going on and i guess there is some work ethic slash discipline issues uh to put it simply yeah and what a great place to go mm -hmm. 
in San Francisco where you're the second team. You want to play, earn it. Well, we, we know you can do this, but we don't need you. I, I think it's – you basically have two guys whose careers have not been what they should be in Randy Gregory and uh, and Chase Young as your backups. You guys want to earn it. It, it. I think it's a terrific environment for them to step up and, and not be – Again, negotiate from a position of strength. If I'm trying to get the best out of you, it's better if I don't need you. <laughs> like, listen, you don't want to play? Fine. Sit out and play. We got these guys. They'll play. You want to play? Show me. We need you. Uh, would, would, would love to have you play. Uh, Joe Cannon's a guy we need. He says, great morning, Scott and Nick. Quiet day for the Falcons yesterday. They did make a, a signing up the Bears practice squad. Travis Bell, I believe his name, a Kennesaw State kid. Uh as they have ramped up in the Division One ranks over the last couple of years, their first ever draft pick, tapping familiar waters in uh, in the Chicago Bears, and he had to be added to the 53 because he was signed off of the Bears practice squad. So um, that was, again, that is a quiet name when you're looking at pass rushers, but they went and got Contavious Street. They went and got um, Bell to say, all right, we need some depth. Maybe we can replicate Grady Jarrett on the whole you get 20 snaps, you get 20 snaps, you get 20 snaps. And that might be somewhat close to a 75% Grady Jarrett after 50 snaps. So it's it's tough. Um, but yeah, some guys coming in. I don't know if you knew much about him uh, mm-hmm. coming in, but that was the, the move they made after they passed on the chance to get Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young. Um, I knew a little bit more about Contravi. Contavious Street uh, coming out of North Carolina State. He suffered an injury pretty late in the season and fell in the draft because of that. He's kind of a weird player because he has a he's a tweener. He's a very good athlete, but he's small, kind of a little bit of a fire hydrant there. So seems like it could be a good one gap. Yeah, could be a good one gap penetrator. I mean, he's not greedy, Jarrett, but uh, he was fun on that NC State team. I believe he was on the line with Bradley Chubb there, Uh, but I think he was also a Bruce Feldman freak, um, pretty good athlete, but just you know. Size does matter in the NFL to an extent. You can get away with it, obviously, but it does matter. And uh, he's a little bit smaller. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, that Eagles team, that's a team that, you know, I wouldn't mind having the scraps from their defensive line <laughs> by any means. Uh, so there should be an opportunity for him to make some plays on this defense. He had three and a half sacks last year at the defensive tackle position with the Saints. So he's familiar. He can be a plug and play type of guy. Um, you go in and now you've got two 300 pound ish guys they're not huge guys Grady's not a huge guy no. um again and I think you still might slide Calais Campbell inside a little bit more you see that during pass rushing situations we might see a little bit more legit four-man fronts rather than the three-man down and then um Bud Dupree Lorenzo Carter Arnold Ebichetti as one of the stand-up defensive ends uh Jordan I feel like we said hello but just in case I'm forgetting and I don't want to forget I'd rather say hello twice than not at all so good morning Jordan Brown Hope you are doing well. Ryan Adonis is here. He says, good morning, all. Heineke time is here, and we can finally watch some football. <laughs> Edward Brown, we'll get back to you, Ryan. Edward Brown comes in with a, uh, a super chat. Thank you, my friend. Number two on the day. First, John. Now, Edward, looking up for uh, the old Falcons podcast. Thanks, y'all. So after being humbled by Levis, do you think the defense will be amped Sunday? Uh, Nick, I'm not sure how much that carries over from week to week. Um I don't want to hear, oh, they didn't have any film on this guy, blah, blah, blah. That That's nonsense. You 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 shouldn't give up. I would say you shouldn't because it's never happened before, ever. Give up four touchdowns and no interceptions and 65% to a guy making his first start. Um, but, again, you get a guy who could be making his first start this week in, uh, in, in Jaron Hall. Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty darn shocked uh, if you were not able to to do that, the one matchup here that I'd be pretty concerned about for the Falcons, and we've talked about it a lot uh, from a Falcons perspective, is the pass rush ability. Now, again, this is a rookie quarterback. Maybe you don't have to, you know, be pressuring him like crazy for him to make mistakes. Uh, but he, the Vikings maybe have one of the best offensive tackle duos in football right now. Uh, Christian Darisaw, former first-round pick from Virginia Tech, is playing unbelievable football out there. He was in that just a godsend of a 2021 class. He was kind of up and down at Virginia Tech, but everyone always saw the talent that he had. Now it looks like it's really coming together. I mean, he looks, I don't like to use the word too much, but he looks special. Um, he looks pretty darn good out there. And then Brian O'Neill at right tackle is one of the better athletes at tackle in football. Uh, so they, they have a pretty good tackle unit there. Um, 
Garrett Bradbury's taken a step at center uh, out there. They ret- returned him. And then Jordan Addison might be the best rookie pass catcher uh, from this previous draft class. Uh, so he, that guy in LA that you keep forgetting. Uh, Puka Nakua. I know I'm yeah. teasing. He's got the numbers. I don't know if he's got yeah. the, the same talent. Yeah, we'll see um, long term. I mean, Addison's just mm-hmm. been he's been really good uh, as well. I think he has more touchdowns. I think that's uh, really good. So, uh, the interior offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings is still suspect. So mm-hmm. that helps when you lose a Grady Jarrett. Um, they have the Minnesota Vikings have the number 31 rushing attack coming into this game. That's not going to just turn around like that. Just with you say, oh, we're going to have to run the ball more. You don't just turn around and do that. That said, is this really the 31st rushing attack or is this, hey, we can throw the ball a lot with Kirk Cousins. Now we're going to have to change the way we do it. I feel like without Kirk Cousins, I feel like this offense coming down to Atlanta is in deep doo-doo. Yeah, the Vikings are not great at running the football. I think their offensive line is okay they're they're, more, they're much more pass protected oriented uh even with their sets uh so they i know we are definitely believers that you can find running backs anywhere but vikings are one of the ones where they've rolled the dice on multiple guys this season and so far they look like they've landed a bunch of i don't want to say duds but just not difference makers despite it taking a volume approach i mean they brought in cam Akers recently uh, to kind of compete with alexander madison who's just been very ho-hum uh, for them out there. So they, they really are lacking any dynamism in that run game and the interior of their offensive line. It's definitely an offensive line that's built for more so for pass protection and the screen game uh, than it is, you know, lining up, pushing, displacing defensive linemen and taking it to them. This, we said you needed to beat the, the, you need to go and beat the commanders. You didn't, you needed to go and win. Again, if you're going to be a, a top team, you need to go and win the Tennessee Titans game. You didn't. You you picked one up down in, in Tampa Bay. That was a nice road win. Coming back home against the Minnesota Vikings, you know, on paper coming in to the season, you're like, okay, this could be a tough game. They were good last year. They had a lot of one-score games. We expect them to regress towards the 500. They have. If they come to town without Kirk Cousins and without Justin Jefferson and beat you, it's going to – it's it was ugly this week, Nick, down in Atlanta with with talk radio with everything. It was ugly this week. Mm-hmm. If they come down here and you start Desmond Ritter and lose to a cousinless, that sounds like something out of West Virginia, a cousinless uh, Vikings without Justin Jefferson. Whew, this laid back, pretty nice town is going to get awfully ugly. Yeah, I mean luckily you have the Cardinals coming up after the Vikings and then you have a bye week. So I, I, on the surface, I was like, Oh yeah, maybe we should, you know, give Taylor Heineke a try, but you have a a Vikings team whose defense is not great. They're not really outside of Daniel Hunter. uh, They cannot really get after the passer. And then you got the Cardinals who are feisty, but let's just be real. They're lacking talent. They're young. Uh, So it still feels like it's an opportunity for Ritter on the surface, but if you can't protect the damn football within the pocket, you're not going to play Football. It's just you gotta protect the ball. Bobby Carter coming in saying morning, Scott and Nick. Good to see you. Keith Johnson. Morning, guys. How do you feel about the pickup? You're talking about Contavious Street. He's talking about Bell, and okay. I would add in Street. And we we hit on that one, Keith. Yeah. Bell for me is kind of a guy. Um, you know, seventh round pick, rookie. Doesn't cost a whole lot, has some has some talent to him enough to get drafted, but isn't a guy that I'm expecting to make. Now, Street could make more of an impact. He has some some skins on the wall in this league. Had three and a half sacks last year for the Saints and Ryan Nielsen's defense. Uh, quickness, a little undersized. That's okay. We can use him for pass rushing sets. And then um, I, I feel I feel happier about the Contavious Street pickup. Uh, Frank Rogier coming in. He says I think Taylor should have started over Ritter anyway because he's been in the league longer. Give Ritter time to learn. I, I just end up asking the question, Frank. How long is long enough to learn? Yeah. I mean, if, if he's a first-round draft pick, you want him playing pretty much right away. And you learn best by playing. So if you're not going to play Desmond Ritter, then you don't, in his second year with this team that is built as a quarterback-friendly environment, then you don't need Desmond Ritter. You need another quarterback. Yep. And he also, it's not like he was this, you know, 19-year-old being drafted with two years of college experience. I mean, he played a heck ton of football games at Cincinnati. I mean, this is a guy who had reps 
uh, sad a year last season. It's do or die time for him. Now, I'm not saying I'm not. I feel like the Chad and I see, you know, Ryan Donis in there. I, I feel like the Chad is somewhat already off the Desmond Ritter train. I was never truly on the mm -hmm. train, but I'm not off of it. I'm not saying it's over uh, for him either, but you got to be able to execute the offense and protect the football at bare minimum, especially with how good the Falcons defense is, the weaponry they have. I'm not expecting him to go out there and look like, you know, Dak Prescott when things are all firing. Like Dak is, you know, the, probably I think the, headiest football quarterback right now. I mean, just like the, the maestro field general, it's pretty awesome to watch. I'm not expecting that from Ritter, um, but got to protect the football and do the basics. And he's not right now. Yeah. It, it goes back to, I, I don't expect it to, every time there's a pass rush. I don't want to feel like there's a turnover coming either, which is how you feel right now. Okay. Here comes a sack. Hold on to the damn ball. Yep. You know, it's there's pressure. Oh God. And there it is. And then it, it, it just becomes one of those mental things. Dominic Jaramillo coming in says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons, uh, Falcons Nation, Dog Nation, and Broncos country. Rusty Moore, he's already talking about next year. Glad we didn't waste a pick on Sweater Young. We need all those picks to trade up for a quarterback in April. Dude, that's part of it. That is absolutely part of it. It's a, it's a, it's a thought. The Falcons right now are in the quarterback market for, for next year. The uh, issue Jerome is that morning, Scott and Nick, I'm disappointed we didn't get an edge, but we tried. Chicago outbid us. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, well, hopefully we can sign Josh Allen if Jacksonville lets him walk in the offseason. They won't. They're going to tag him or trade him. He's playing great football. Um, the guys entering the second contract of his caliber on teams that are paying a rookie quarterback they just, just don't hit the market. Uh, so I would be beyond shocked if Jacksonville lets him uh, walk. But crazy things happen, I guess. But I, I would be surprised. Uh, Alberto says, morning, guys. Should the Falcon fans be worried about the crippled Vikings? I don't think they can afford an L. This is as close to a must-win game as you're going to have all season. I mean, you got to win this game. The, the, yeah. the, the Falcons, Atlanta is angry right now, and Arthur Smith doesn't help with his smugness after losses, uh, smugness, period, to a friendly Atlanta media. Um, you know, and it's sarcastic. And the thing is, is you know, I, I watched the full – clips i watched the full uh press conference and he has a good relationship with those guys he jokes around with them and they go back and forth sometimes but when it comes off in sound bites his smug sarcasm it, it doesn't make him any friends and uh that's gonna be th this is a must-win game it is absolutely a, a must-win game and, and jerome says jared verse is probably the best edge that fits our scheme again i don't really give a flying f about schemes when it comes to first round picks schemes change how many defensive coordinators have we seen with the Atlanta Falcons through the years? For me, if you have a defensive coordinator two years in a row, I consider that a, a bonus. Or whoever your head coach isn't. Yeah. If you're if you're if your head coach is an offensive guy, he's your offensive coordinator. You probably have the same offensive coordinator, but you change defensive coordinators every year, every two years. That's probably For one first round pick. <laughs> I want a guy to be scheme independent. He he needs to be athletic enough that he can play the freaking game, no matter what scheme you put him in. Yeah, the constant turnover and changes of scheme are probably one reason the Falcons have been what they've been and the defense has been what they've been because it's pretty damn hard to continuously change what you're looking for in the draft and tendencies later it's a on. lack of investment on that side of the ball, Nick. That too. It's been, yeah. that, there, there's been, and that hasn't really changed until the money came this year. Yeah. There's still it's three first-round picks have all gone on offense still, but they put the money into it this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's first to be good. I'd also keep an eye on uh, Leatu Latu uh, from UCLA, another power kind of edge with some uh, length to him and really, really refined. Uh, Dave comes in and says, one of the Falcons fans going to learn that they can't fire their way out of everything. The firing coach thing is pointless at this time. I mean, if this team bottoms out this season, then it's possible we see Arthur Smith uh, let go, but you're not going to fire him midseason. This team is still very much in the hunt, and they do some good things offensively. Uh, I Everybody in the offseason was talking about, well, it's going to come down to the quarterback. And guess what, folks? It looks like it's coming down to the quarterback now. Arthur Smith should not be completely uh, absolved of any blame or wrongdoing in that. It's, it still takes, you know, a team to do it. So he should shoulder blame uh, for losses and stuff. But it's looking like it's going to come down to the quarterback for this team this season. And if not, you're going to be hunting this offseason. And I'm not sure what that looks like right now for this team. I mean, you guys are already ready to, you know, Scott, even you, you sound like you're ready to move on from Desmond Ritter. And this is his, not move on, but like, yeah, start I, now. Is, I'm not ready so much to move on, but I said also at the beginning of the season, if Desmond Ritter hits the bench, it's over because he's going to get a long leash. Now mm -hmm. they can use the injury excuse 
But he was going to get a long leash, and he's had a long leash. But right now, you're halfway through the season, and he's losing games for you. Because as Rusty comes in with a super chat, thank you, Rusty. He says, at the end of the day, we didn't need Ritter to be the best quarterback in the league. We just needed him to not be the worst, yet here we are. And by a lot of metrics, Desmond Ritter is, if not the worst, he's bottom three in the NFL. 16 to 20, and you're looking at six and two right now. And yeah. in command and head in for the playoffs. You still might have, if he's just playing meh, if he's just okay, instead of playing horribly in most of his outings out there, he's been, he's been pretty dreadful with the turnovers. You know, the first game against the Panthers, what was he? Oh, he's six for five for minus three yards. You know, five or six passing was minus three yards in the first half. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. not sustainable. And right now, again, if you're going to go by and you're going to preach to me and to your team and to the fans, the best player is going to play. You can't put Desmond Ritter out there right now. You cannot, or it's going to be ugly. And if you lose, they may run you out of here, dude. They they just might. Uh, I'll get one more super, and then I'm going to turn Nick loose, but I'm going to go through the chat. I said I'd turn Nick loose, and if things were still going – so we've got a lot to get into still, lots of questions and stuff uh, that we want to want to go on here. But um, Greg asked, thank you for the super, my friend. He says, was the spend on D go with Des Gamble worth at least, at least worth the try? Yes, it was because, Greg, I don't know where you would have gone. You missed your opportunity to get your quarterback already. You didn't really have a choice this offseason. What were you going to do? Were you going to use the the number eight overall on Will Levis? Well, he looked like a number eight overall last week. <laughs> he fell to the second round, so we won't we won't go that way. The free agents that were out there, oh, you should have got Lamar Jackson. You weren't getting Lamar Jackson. You know that Falcons fans. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. talking to you about this. Who out there is a was even available as a free agent that was a needle mover? Hell, Taylor Heineke was one of the better free agent quarterbacks to even go out and get. Mm-hmm. I mean. Pretty much quarterbacks, unless they're on their last leg, uh, your chance to, to get the franchise guys are through the draft and hitting it. And you didn't know about uh, Desmond Ritter. Now, we'll see what happens with the offseason. I brought it up a few times. I think this is a Falcons team that would be, depending on what the injury is, pretty damn interesting with Kirk Cousins uh, running it. You know, I don't think you have to have that running threat uh, back there to be an effective offense. I mean, one of the best consistent rushing teams in football have been the 49ers, and Lord knows Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy are not rushing guys and this is pre-christian mccaffrey too so you can do it uh but yeah it's it's a weird situation with the desmond ritter thing because this team it feels like you know you've got a lot of pieces there you're ready to go but there's always the you need to give that quarterback at least a little time um right now it's trending towards him obviously not being the guy and if they bench him and heineke comes in and plays much better and the offense looks better i mean it might be time to you know, write your uh, eulogy for Desmond Ritter, the starting franchise quarterback could still be a very good backup in the league. And that's where you kind of took him in a range that where a lot of good backups go. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a weird situation for the Falcons right now. And a lot of head coaches are tied to their quarterback anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, as your quarterback goes, your job goes, but Arthur Smith is really tying his job to Desmond Ritter. And that is a dangerous game to play. Nick, why don't you go ahead and get out of here? Thank you, Greg. Um, Nick and I, Nick will be back on Friday with me. I'm going to hang out a little bit longer because there's a lot of questions still in the chat I want to get to and have that discussion. But I want to turn Nick loose. Nick, thanks for being here. We'll see you uh, See you Friday. Yeah, thank you so much. I got a couple more minutes. Just one one more thing. Uh, I did want to give a shout out. Uh, Dane Brugler just released his uh, top 50 players, prospects. Um, first big board of the 2024 draft. Scott, number one player on the board is Marvin Harrison. That's number two. The number one player on the board is Olu Fushano. Number f- four or five. All, All right. Then it's then it's one of the gotta be one of the quarterbacks. Yes, but what quarterback? But it's Drake May. It is Drake May. Yeah. Number one on the board there. So uh interesting to follow that. Uh see what happens. I see a lot of people talking about trading for quarterbacks here. Steve Strickland mentions Carson Beck. Carson Beck makes the top fifty at fifty. Um Georgia quarterback who I have not watched one lick of. Uh, so interesting. Also, you have Shadur Sanders and JJ McCarthy making the top 50 as well, but Shadur would be an interesting fit in this, in this offense. We'll see if either of them come out mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, but, yeah, uh, they don't have sh- to, uh, no. you know, you're, you make a ton of money at Michigan and Colorado 
uh, with the yeah. Sanders name is going to make a ton of money in, in NIL. You don't have to come out if you yeah. don't. Hey, be a college superstar. Why yeah. not? That's that's been an appealing job for years. Now you can do it and make eight figures. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it will be interesting to follow the draft process. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I got to get going. Got a baby doctor appointment thing coming up. So Enjoy appreciate it. you guys. It comes fast. Oh, man. I, I feel like months. I was just there yesterday. And last night my kids went out without me for the first time on Halloween. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I'm almost an empty nester already. <laughs> More they don't that way. One's in seventh grade and one's in ninth. And you know, when you hit, have kids later in life, time goes fast. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's like three more years. And should I pick that up? Well, he'll be out of the house in three years. It can wait. That that's the kind of time frame you're on. <laughs> yeah. You got some scuba in your future. It'll be great. So. For sure. All right, man. All right. I'll see you later. Falcons fans, we're gonna we're gonna hang out and talk some more. Uh Ryan Adonis has touched on one of the things that has kind of bothered me. Earlier in the show, we talked about identity, culture, plan, smash mouth football, run the ball, toughness, stop the run, go empty on third and short. Oh yes, it drives me nuts. Ryan asks, are we getting tired of Arthur Smith calling third down plays where the quarterback is all alone in the backfield? Yes. Your quarterback is not the type of quarterback right now that you can depend on to make a play, to make the right read and get the ball out and going empty. You've got the number eight pick quarter uh, running back sitting behind you. You've got your 1,000-yard rookie, record-setting rookie in his second year in Tyler Algier. You've got Cordero Patterson. Put him back there. Yes, Ryan, I'm tired of it. Uh, Steve Strickland says, draft UGA center Van Pran, Van Pran. Uh, and get rid of Drew Dolman. We have to solidify the middle of the offensive line and get another tackle with quick feet. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to happen, Steve. If if you look at PFF at all, you know where Drew Dolman is ranked? Two. He's ranked number two. Now, some of that is there's an there's a unbalance in his ranking because his he, he's got the best run block grade in NFL for centers, number one. But his pass blocking grade is poor. Uh, how much of that is playing next to a rookie? Um, it might have something to do with that as well. But I, I think Dolman's been okay. And and you've got McGarry again for another year um, before you can move on from that. And then Jake Matthews, you know, he's getting older, but I think he's still okay. I, I think this, I think the offensive line, I don't expect to see, um, see many changes, uh, many changes there. Um, John Harrell says, you know, this ratio is just, just God awful. Uh, he says Ritter has eight touchdown passes and two and 12 turnovers in 11 and a half games. One to one is what you might expect out of a rookie. Two to one is minimum for what I want to see for my quarterback. And he's one to one and a half. <laughs> That's not good enough on, on turnovers on there. Uh, Cortez comes says, Good morning, everyone. I think Taylor is the best chance we have. Sure, he can be aggressive, but he has talent around him that can make those wild catches and plays. I say him, give him a shot. And that's the thing, Cortez, and Nick mentioned on it before. If you're turning the ball over, at least you're turning the ball over by taking shots, not by holding onto the ball too long and fumbling or, you know. And the thing is, is what, which game was that where it should have been two, um, two first? That was at the Packers game. They end up winning. Could have been two more interception, pick six types on outs. And, I, and, and the other thing, Ryan mentioned the empty sets. The other thing I'm tired of seeing in the Atlanta Falcons offense is the only completed passes seem to be curl routes. Every time a Falcons receiver catches the ball, his feet are still and he's facing the wrong direction. Now you do that on a five yard curl on third and six, and I'm really pissed. It seemed like last week was one of the, or the two weeks ago. It finally started where Kyle Pitts was starting to get the ball in motion. Kyle Pitts on a slant, or if you can get him in stride is a thing of beauty. That's why you drafted him. But right now, there is so little run after the catch because everybody has stopped when they catch the ball. It's frustrating. A lot of lot of frustrating on there. Um, uh, Big Debo says, good to see you, Big Debo. Feel like that's a newer name. Welcome in. Appreciate you being here. We just watched our team not get a rookie quarterback, and he threw all over us, yet we didn't make a damn move at the deadline. I'm over it. Yeah, again, the quarterback thing, you you really missed your chance to go and try and get a quarterback in previous years. I'll harp on Justin Fields, I know, but one of the reasons why I wanted a quarterback 
back then is because you were drafting top four. Quarterback was available. A couple quarterbacks were available. And it is so expensive to try and go get one. If the Falcons want to try and go get one of those surefire blue chip guys in Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, it's going to cost them three first round picks. They were sitting at number four and could have Justin Fields. Now, you may think Justin Fields isn't worth a damn. Okay. Would they be in any worse position right now with an underutilized Kyle Pitts and Desmond Renner than they would be with Justin Fields? My answer is no. I don't think they would. They would not be in a worse position. And you would have, you may have hit on Justin Fields in this offense. He'd be awfully fun to watch with that running ability and that downfield throwing ability, even if you didn't have Kyle Pitts. So anyway, Michael, good to see you. He's he's happy to see us too, says uh, us on Scott and, and Scott and Nick with the fire. Um, Joe 01 comes in. He says, why didn't the Falcons offer a third for Young, uh, for a matter of fact, any other team? Uh, Joe, I think third may have been the ceiling on him. There, we, we hit on this earlier in the show. The reports started coming out about Chase Young's willingness as a teammate to do his job and not just try and make the splash, splash play. So he could be one of those guys who gets beat for gets beat on first, gets beat on second, and then in the third quarter gets a sack, and all of a sudden his numbers look good. Well, he had six sacks and a bunch of pressures. Yeah, but he was getting beat off the edge on running plays and not doing his job all game long. And I think that was a concern. That's why I think him going to San Francisco is a great situation for him because San Francisco, he's a luxury there. If you're not going to do your job, you can sit your ass on the bench. So you better do your job. Um, would that have been the case here in Atlanta? Um, I was more disappointed in, in Montez sweat, but Chicago sent a second, which was basically a late first right now. It's 35 overall. They won the bidding war. They, they won the bidding war, and they've got a ton of money to re-sign him to another contract next year. So, again, in these last three drafts, there was a quarterback available you passed. What has not really been available in free agency in the draft when the Falcons have picked is a dominant edge rusher. That That's the place that the Falcons have really missed other than quarterback because um, you can't count on a third-round pick. Desmond Ritter could end up being the guy. He, he absolutely could. But trying to plan around a third round quarterback to end up being a franchise guy. The probability of that happen is so small that you cannot plan for that to happen. You might get lucky and that's like hitting the lottery, but the Falcons have not really had that guy without reaching at eight. Watch Lucas Van Ness. That was one of the guys we were watching. Um, could he end up being the guy? Uh, that was really the only edge last year that came into that, that area. When the Falcons went number four with Kyle Pitts, most of the top guys were edge rushers. I mean, were uh, offensive players or Pat Sertan was a player. Now, you could say Micah Parsons. In a redraft, Micah Parsons isn't going to be available at four. He's going probably two behind Trevor Lawrence. But Micah Parsons was still a little bit of a question mark because he uh, he he was a little bit of a question mark because he was still linebacker. He was inside linebacker who could play edge then he's turned into the second coming of freaking uh, Von Miller, Lawrence Taylor out there at edge. So I don't say the Falcons passed on Micah Parsons. That wasn't really in consideration at the time. Edge, the Falcons have to find one. Um, let me see. Dave says, I remember when Charles Haley had all kinds of issues in San Francisco, then he got to Dallas. Not an issue at all. And the, the man won a few Super Bowls in San Francisco as well. I don't, I don't remember him having too many there, there certainly wasn't any issue with the way he played. He may have had some flare-ups with his temper, but um, he had some uh, he had some good years. Wasn't he the answer to a trivia question for a while? Who has the most Super Bowl wins? I think the answer for a little while before Tom Brady got a bunch was Charles Haley. He was a he was a bad man. Uh, Chris Walker, good to see you coming in over on Facebook. He says, "Morning, everyone. Disappointed in all the turnovers by Ritter, aren't we all?" Hate that we aren't able to make any trades to help the roster. Our draft next year needs to hit, especially third round and higher. Hate that Grady got hurt. That truly sucks. I about teared up on Monday when that no, when that news hit. Just Grady is, it's not easy being an Atlanta Falcon. Um, I said this about Jesse Tuggle. You know, it, it's just, it's not. Look at the years that Grady Jarrett has gone through. 
um, with the Falcons, you know, since 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, what's that? Five seasons of mediocre to bad football. And he's still been such a professional and so good. He's been well compensated. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best played defensive players in the NFL, but it's not easy being an Atlanta Falcon. And you, the guys that play like him, that play like Cordero Patterson, they have a special place in your heart in Atlanta. And that one, that one hurt a little bit. Um, let me see here on, uh, as we, as we move down the chat a little bit, um, Kenneth comes in, he says, we found a team yet that will take Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, possibly Vegas. Atlanta will play them first next year. He says they're 18 and 24. The number that matters to me right now, Kenneth is four and four is this season. The last two seasons, I actually think Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith did a fantastic job of surviving two NFL seasons with half a roster with the, uh, the salary cap position that was put on them by the previous regime and Thomas Dimitrov. It's one of the reasons I've been an Arthur Smith fan. I think he overachieved with his team, got those guys playing hard, winning close games and establishing a culture. The question we had coming in is now, how can he do with legit NFL players, with guys who are on second contracts, with free agents who have established something in the league and aren't just trying to stay in the league. And right now, the returns on this season's have been this season have been pretty poor. Four and four with this schedule, with this roster, with this defense isn't good enough. And it starts, it needs to start getting better starting this week. Uh, Winston Thornton, the eye test. Good morning, fellas in the chat. Good morning to you as well. Jeremy Sean coming in. Good to see you, Jeremy. Coming in from out west. Hope you're doing well. Um, morning, boys. Stopping to buy to give a like and say a tearful McBuy to Josh McDaniels. How I wanted the Broncos to be the team that got him fired. Yeah, that's week 18 when the Broncos play McDaniels, and it was going to be tough to see him last that long. I know it will be a, a happy time for uh, for I mean, who isn't who doesn't root against Josh McDaniels? Does he have anybody out there that says, "Oh, I I really like this guy. I really want him to succeed." Oh man, it's the recycling of utter failures. How those guys keep getting jobs just frustrates the hell out of me. It really does. Uh, Matt Double T coming in and says, he lo- I love Arthur and the mindset he's brought to the team, but I just don't understand why we can't get the offense to click. Yeah, I think part of that has to do with the quarterback position, Matt, and that is 100% and totally on Arthur Smith. That's part of the problem. I would... If you're not, if you're new here, if you're not, you've heard me rail. I already did it once today. He's been gone three years. Rail on Thomas Dimitrov and his inability to build a balanced team, manage a salary cap, all those things. I gave Mike Smith a pass. I gave Dan Quinn a pass for certain things. Arthur Smith harps on the fact that he and Terry Fontenot work as a team in order to build this roster. He is as complicit with the way the quarterback situation is right now as Terry Fontenot is. So he doesn't get a pass for that. And the quarterback situation right now is subpar. Can it be better? Yes. 2023 was a team that, that was going to make the next step to the playoffs. That's still within reach, still well within reach. And then 2024, this needs to be a team that's talking about 12 and five and NFC contenders. That's four years, high draft picks, salary cap money, That's my goal as a general manager, as a coach. If I can't do that in four years where I keep climbing the ladder, if I start going the wrong direction, my job's going to be at stake. It's going to be, it's going to be in trouble for sure. Um, Let me see as I start coming down here. Will Starr feels like a newer name. Good to see you, Will. He says, I really think the Falcons tried to trade back into the first round for Levis. Try this, try, you know, if they really wanted to do it, they probably could have. Um, and when did he go? The Falcons picked second. I don't remember. Someone else will have to look it up for me as I'm, I'm doing this, uh, finishing this one up alone. But he was available. You know, they, they could have come in and done that one. Now, when he went as late as he did, it started making take, started making take, making bacon. It started making the decision to take him at eight look ridiculous uh, when he ends up falling to the second round. Um, but he certainly played well. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, he's not going to play as well this week. 
as he did in his historical first start against the Falcons last week. How Falcons is that, by the way? They better not do it again this week. I tell you what, Monday's going to be ugly if they don't win this game against the Vikings without Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Um, anonymous reviewer says Brock Bowers, the best player in the draft for sure, as far as like who was number one. Uh, before Nick left, he talked about, you know, uh, Dane Brugler's top list. Brock Bowers is a number one as, as possible. Now, he won't be taken number one overall. But if you wanted to make an argument, just like we did for Bijan Robinson, as who is the top player in the draft next year, if you wanted to say the best talent, if I'm lining up Madden and I see 98, 97, who's the 99, who's got the highest grade? If you wanted to say Brock Bowers, I'd listen. I would absolutely listen. Uh, Bobby Nelson says, last year our defense was horrible. We blamed quarterback Marcus, but if you compare his stats last year to Desmond, he's better than Desmond, and we'd probably be 6-2 and because he doesn't take risks. He had a share of turnovers that cost that cost trouble, but if you look at the QBR and his effectiveness as a quarterback, he was in the teens all last year. Mariota was. The problem with Mariota was in order to get to the teens, he'd have a five. I love line graphs. Okay, week two, he was the fifth QBR. And then week three, he was the 35th QBR. That was the problem with Mariota was the, the, the lack of consistency. If you look week to week and look on a line graph, it looks like rolling hills. And then you go through and you draw a line through that to see where he ranked. Oh, he was 15th on the season. That's not bad. That's what we're looking for. If he was 15th every game, that'd be fine. But the problem was, is he'd be fifth. He was NFC player of the week one week, and then he's losing games the next. That was the problem with Marcus Mariota. On the whole, his season, if I look at the numbers, wasn't that bad. It, it really wasn't. Watching game to game, he had some of those games like this guy cannot play. He, he can't he can't do it again next year. That that was a problem with Mariota. And then how he left pissed everybody off. Um, so he left on a bad note. So he didn't get the benefit of hindsight of people saying if Cordero Patterson were traded yesterday, he would be cheered every time. He, we would say Cordero Patterson with reverence. Cordero Patterson's been a better player than Mariota was. But I'm just saying. Marietta left on a poor note. People remember him poorly for that. Um, let me see here. Uh, as as Ryan says, Drew Dahlman is ranked number two in the, but his snaps have been the worst in the league. We've had two fumbles on on snaps right now. Um, that's uh, that has been a problem. Uh, my swanker comes in says, "Do you think this this is Tyler uh, Heineke's job to steal the starting quarterback or let her play the rest of the season?" Based on last week, based on the ideal that we're going to play the best player that gives us a chance to win, I think you have to play Heineke if you're going to adhere to that ideal. You can start talking about building for Red. You know, we want him to get experience. We want him to do that. That's one thing. Right now, there isn't anybody in this state, in this locker room, on this field on Sunday that doesn't think Taylor Heineke gives them a better chance to win. Maybe even, unfortunately, maybe even Desmond Ritter right now, and that's part of the problem. DJ Slay says, my excitement level for the Falcons has gone from 100 to zero. Worst case scenarios for the season are now on the table. Worst case scenario for me was seven and 10 again. And that's on, it's on the table. You look at it because this team is capable of beating any team uh, that's, that's left on the, on the, on the roster. They're going to be favored in most of them. Uh, the Vikings should be a win. At Cardinals should be a win. The Saints, you can split with the Saints. The Saints are playing um, better ball. We'll see where they end up going. At Jets is win a bull. Uh, Buccaneers, you just beat the brakes off them with three turnovers down in Tampa. At Panthers, Colts are plucky, dangerous, but they're three and five. And that's a home game at bears. Where are the bears going to be by the end of the season? Are they, you know, looking at a top two or three pick of their own? Uh, and at saints, this, this season could still go. We have nine games left five and three on the backside. What would that be? Nine. And I can do, I'm not, I'm mathing very well right now. I still can't get used to the 17 game schedule. 10 and seven is still achievable. That was what we had at the beginning of the year. That's what we had when the schedule came out. That's where this team should be. Seven and 10 is also on the table as well. And for me, that was seven and 10. And we start talking about, will Arthur Smith be back next year? Six and 11. I, there's, there's no way. 
<laughs> there's no way. Six and 11, and you start saying Arthur Smith should not be back next year. Um, JJ Ayers has a good question. If we're supposed to be a run first team, how do we get back to running uh, the, the ball effectively when teams are stacking the box with no fear of the quarterback? You're going to have to instill some fear in them. You're going to have to scheme your way to getting some easy passes when they are they are out there. Um, how do we do that? That's up to the coach, isn't it? And you don't do it by running hook routes. You don't do it by running curls or speed outs when everybody is within five yards of the line of scrimmage anyway. You're going to have to get down the field a little bit. Um, maybe that's what Van Jefferson was brought in for was for that little extra bit of, um, that little extra bit of juice to get down the field. Uh, Bobby Nelson says, why don't we use Scotty Miller wide out? He has speed because it, it takes more than speed. Um, I, when I played flag football, I liked going against guys who thought that they could outrun me because that's all they really wanted to do. And then they wouldn't cover worth a damn and we'd switch sides. I just play safety. Like, listen, you want to go deep? That's fine. I'll stand back here on the 20 and let you run to me. And then I'll, I'm tall. I'll, I'll go up and get the ball from you. It needs more than that. And, but it needs more than just, okay, here's a jet sweep too. It's got to be more than just a streak or a jet sweep. Van Jefferson, is he a guy that can help with this? We'll see. Uh, almost hit it in his first game. Uh, you know, a nice post route. Just missed him. That opens things up a little bit. We saw the running game open up last week when Taylor Heineke was in a quarterback. We've seen the Falcons with the ability to run the ball even if you're trying to stop the run. Penalties is a big one. You cannot have negative plays if you're going to be a running team. That, that's part of it too, Bobby. If you're going to be a running team, you cannot have negative plays. You cannot be first and 15. You cannot be second and 12. You can't be get a holding play and be first and 20. It becomes really, really hard to be a running team after that. Uh, I'm going to scroll down to the bottom and make sure I get some people that came in late on this one because um, I'm about to say a goodbye for the day. Sean Hoskins is one of those. Uh, good to see you, Sean. He says, the one thing Taylor does all at all great a quarterback seems to do is inspire their fellow teammates to rise up. You've seen a small dose of that on Sunday. And again, I've said it a bunch. I'll say it one more time before we go. There isn't anybody out there that thinks this week I'm not talking about next. I'm not talking about long-term. I'm talking about those of us that want to say, you can't play Heineke because there's no future with him. The future is Sunday. This is a must-win game for the Atlanta Falcons. This is a must-win game for Arthur Smith, or it's going to be ugly. 92-9 or whoever it was. My my best friend's texting me play-by-plays about them just ripping Arthur Smith a new one on air. This is a pretty friendly media market. It's pretty easy. Uh, and it's probably 93.7 because 92.9 has the games and wouldn't be allowed to say stuff like that as the official flag substation of the Atlanta Falcons. So this is a big game, and Taylor Heineke needs to start this game. He really does. And if he puts in Ritter and Ritter struggles, the boo birds are going to – it's not going to be the, the the dirty birds in the, in the stands. It's going to be the boo birds raining down and raining crap on Arthur Smith's head. Uh, Matt Double T asks, how much longer do we have Pitts in London on contract? Those are relative. Um, third year of the contract, third year of a four-year deal for uh, the first round picks for Pitts. And then Pitts is in it. And then London in his second year. You also have the ability to exercise the fifth year option for those guys. So you've got control. This is third year for Pitts. Fourth year, fifth year option gets extended you've got five years. So two and a half more years of, of Kyle Pitts. Then you can extend, you can franchise tag them if you want to, but that ends up being about $20 million to do that. So AJ Terrell, his fifth year has been uh, picked up. He will, he, you'll look to try and extend him as well. That's the next guy that's going to have the really high increase in pay. Uh, London and Pitts are still relatively cheap for big time players next year. And then it starts getting more expensive for them. Uh, John Harrell, who opened us up with a big super chat, is going to close us out. Uh, with a mediocre quarterback, we should be 7-1. and one. I'll give the Lions game. The, the Falcons were in it. The Lions are a good team. Uh, that was up in Detroit. And the Jaguars won. They're a really good team, too, as well. So I'm going to say it would have taken a little bit more of the mediocre play to beat those teams. But 6-2 and two with average quarterback play is well well within the realm of possibility without a doubt i'm with you uh I'm, I'll, I'll get behind you on six and two i don't want to take anything away from the detroit lions and jacksonville jaguars by saying 
by not disrespect, but I'm, I'm a fan of what those teams are doing. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but six and two, I will take something away from the Washington commanders. And I will take something away from the Tennessee Titans. The Falcons on the whole were better than them. Certainly didn't show it. You, you can't do it with a, by, by giving the ball away that much. On that note, guys, I'm going to get out of here. We're at an hour five. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we'll be back on Friday to talk. We'll, we'll talk some more NFL stuff, some of the matchups coming into the week. We'll hit on some more draft. We'll probably hit on Dane Brugler's first uh, list. Drake may be in number one overall over Caleb Williams, et cetera, et cetera. Want to say thank you to those of you who came in and contributed with Super Chats today, like John Harrell. Thank you, sir. Edward Brown came in as well. Rusty Moore, thank you so much for your contributions. And Greg Elrod as well. Uh, means a lot to us. It's very humbling that you would come in and spend time with us and contribute to the show and allow us to keep doing more of these things. So I'm out of here. Have a great Wednesday. Stay warm. It's freaking cold out there in Atlanta. We'll see you on Friday. Come back and see us on Friday when we start talking NFL and matchups for the weekend. So until then, y'all have a great day and we appreciate you being here.